It's 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, yay. I didn't do shit. I uh, fell asleep at 11. I took a nap at 11. And then I woke up in time. Yeah. For midnight. Yeah. And then you went back to bed. And then I went back to bed. No, Matt and I fell asleep at like 1030. Like we always do because we're old people Mm -hmm. that wake up at six o'clock every day. Mm -hmm. And then Matt was all super worried about the cats being afraid of fireworks. So we both woke up right at midnight Mm -hmm. um, because our neighbors across the street let off fireworks. And, and we run out, and we, we look at the cats, and they're both asleep on the couch. They don't give a like, fuck. Like, no fucks given. Yeah. Have they, they, has it bothered them in the past? Yuri used to, but now that he, Ziggy basically is his thunder shirt and sleeps <laughs> on top of him, <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> I, I believe we've mentioned your cats. They yes. have They have been guests, <laughs> they inadvertent have, guests on our Ziggy show. Ziggy has made many comments on various topics on yes. It's before. true. He has a lot of opinions. Oh, he's such a dick. Jesse's cats are very gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are like, oh, they're brothers. I'm like, no. No, they're lovers. Lovers. <laughs> they have a tube, and they go in the tube, and they make out. They think I don't know, but I watch them. <laughs> God, so perverted. I know. <laughs> One time I came home and I opened the door and they're both on the couch and Yuri is on top of Ziggy and he shoots me this like evil look and I was like, oh, Excuse am I me. interrupting something? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I feel like for the longest time, every picture that you had of them, you would like caught them mid like doing something. Yeah. Gross to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mid makeout sesh. Yeah, Yuri was literally on top of Ziggy. <laughs> like, mounted. Oh my god. Was he humping? No, he just they just lay on each other like that. Aww. Sometimes Ziggy does mount him and bite him on the neck, though. Is that like a dominance, dominance thing? thing. He's, he's the top? Yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle. I believe it. Anyway. They didn't care about the fireworks. We should see how many tangents we can go on. I know. In this episode. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we both didn't really do anything for New Year's. Stayed inside. Yep. Went to bed. Yep. Didn't drink any alcohol that day. No, I lied. I had one beer. <laughs> Crazy girl. I know. <laughs> I know. So, New Year's. The biggest thing for New Year's is New Year's resolutions. New year, new you. Oh, God. Someone said that to me, and I was like, new year, same shitty me. <laughs> new year, fuck you. <laughs> that's going to be the title of this episode. New, new year, year, fuck you. <laughs> oh, man, we're in fine form. No, and every new year, I see people post, like, these are my goals, this mm-hmm. is my resolution, I'm mil- building a vision board. And I am sitting at home playing video games and eating some sort of snack, not planning anything. Uh, I don't do resolutions. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's okay. I, I am sort of sympathetic to the opinion that, like, this is just an arbitrary, it's, like, so arbitrary. You could make plans. You could make goals, like, any fucking time of yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. yeah, I'm not a huge resolutioner either. Yeah. I did a bunch of like intentional goal planning last year, pretty late in January, actually. Mm-hmm. And I found that pretty useful, but I wasn't that great at like follow through. Mm. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really check in with those goals later. I was glad that I did it, but yeah, yeah. No, I think last year I was like, there, the one big thing I wanted to get done was all my PMP certification. And I immediately just signed up for all the classes. So yeah. I had to follow through, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I haven't taken the exam yet. That's one of my goals for this year, I guess. There you go. But that even that has a time limit on it because they changed the exam in June. Mm-hmm. So I have to take it before June. Right. So there we go. Yeah. Um, 
I'm good at accomplishing things when there's urgency <laughs> and there's a time limit. Yeah. So that's one. Things that are like super vague that I have to make up, I'm like, eh. <laughs> I will eat better. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like, like all the people who say, I'm going to eat more vegetables. Fair enough. Go for it. I'm going to go get some tacos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I know but, myself. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if it works for you, that's great. Tacos definitely work for <laughs> Tacos are highly effective <laughs> form of sustenance. <laughs> yes, tacos. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, there's a lot of resolution stuff going around, which I always am... I admire those people. Yeah, me too. I'm not one of them. Especially if they have the follow through. Um, And when there's a lot of talk about um, setting practice goals for the year and practice in general this time of year, which is a really good segue into reflecting that, um, yeah, we should all practice. We should all be practicing all the time. Yeah. Especially when it comes to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a holiday that says you have to start planning that isn't necessary. Like you said, you can start a practice whenever you want. Mm -hmm. But given that this is sort of a natural opportunity for people people to to do that, I figured we should talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I just, to those people who are are like us and and just don't do resolutions or goal setting at this time of year, Mm -hmm. like they could use what we talk about later in the year when we do want to do it. Yeah. There's no inspiration. Yeah. On any of these ideas. And, and for those people who, like me, who feel extreme anxiety, like pressure and anxiety when they see other people's goals and like you're, you, I, I feel so anxious. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not planning enough. I'm not doing enough. And just wind up panicking myself into like a standstill. Mm-hmm. Like I feel you people. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's all those, like, daily challenges. There's, like, dance every day in January or, yeah, like, 30-30 challenge yeah. or whatever. And, like, yeah. I get really overwhelmed if I have something that I need to do every single day. Yeah. Because if I miss a day, then I, I just... I spiral. Yeah, I go... <laughs> yeah. Shame spiral. Shame sure. spiral. Exactly. Yeah. So I think those are all really cool, and I think it's great that it gets people dancing. But I was just like, no, that's, that's not gonna I work can't. for me. Yeah, I just can't do a daily thing. Yeah, it a I, weekly thing. I'm gonna see if I can do, but um, yeah, there are times where life just gets like way too crazy. Like reunions coming up, I'm gonna be out of town, vacation, other travely thingies. You just don't have time. Yeah. And that's okay. And yeah, you can build a practice that works for you and your schedule and your brain. Mm -hmm. I think that really the key is building an effective practice. Yes. Um, And not just, I don't know. Not just practicing for practice's sake. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And by that, I mean just putting a song on and dancing it. Mm-hmm. Or something. I mean, not to say that that's a bad way to do it, but if your goal is to improve as a dancer, putting a song on and dancing it is probably not the best way to target improvement. Yeah, exactly. We've been wanting to talk about um, this book, Little Book of Talent by Daniel Coyle, which we mentioned a little bit in a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but we've really wanted to like dive into it because both of us have found it to be a really great resource for building, for sort of like thinking about how you practice mm-hmm. um, and how you set goals with the intention of like really improving your technique. Um, yeah, and then there's also a TED Talk that we'll post a link to, and it does talk about um, practice and effective practice and it's only like a four to five minute watch so it's really interesting um the one thing that i really that really struck me was when the ted talk said um professional athletes dancers musicians practice anywhere between 50 to 60 hours a week jesus 
it's like a full-time job. Yeah, it is a full-time <laughs> job. It's not like a full-time it, job. Because it, it is their is full-time, full-time it, job. That's what they do. And that, I was just like, whoa, that is really overwhelming. I don't think I could do that. But right. then, but you know, they do have those dedicated 50 to 60 hours, but they take those in multiple daily sessions. Well, yeah. and it's also, you know, it's not just like if you're a musician, it's not just 50 to 60 hours of like playing a song yeah, over and over it's again. It's like a very specific, targeted, targeted deep practice. Yeah. De- I think that's the term that Daniel Coyle uses is like this idea of deep practice of like mm-hmm. consistent, y- deep practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't like if you are putting in 50 to 60 hours of just like dancing randomly mm-hmm. with no goal in mind, I don't know that that like. Even if you're putting in that amount of time, I don't think it's actually going to make you a better dancer. Right. If anything, it's probably just going to make the, mis- you know, like if your technique isn't solid, it's just going to ingrain that even yeah. more in your muscle memory. So, right. It'll definitely increase your stamina. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if that's your goal, increasing your stamina, then yes, you will achieve that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the, the story about, like, when I first moved to the Bay Area, I was taking a class with Wendy, and it was, like, a level four class, mm-hmm. and, like, we had just been dancing. It was, like, and you went on Saturday, you were there all day. Yep. You did level one, two, three, and, you know, you stayed for four, and that was an hour and a half long class, or an hour long class, I don't remember, but it's it basically half, yeah. constant dancing, mm-hmm. just constant, and I got to the point where I had to sit down. And Wendy looked at me, and I didn't know her very well at the time. Like, we had met a few times. And she goes, you need to increase your stamina. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, (laughs) damn. (laughs) But I was like, I was very grateful for that moment. Because, like, in the the moment, I was like, oh, God, I feel terrible shame that I can't keep up. (laughs) But the fact that she had, like, told me that. And cared enough to tell me that and gave me a key to, you know, put in to succeed and think about. Yeah, I started going to the gym after that. Dancing <laughs> 50 to 60 hours a week would certainly help with stamina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if your goal is to increase your stamina and you want to dance for a half an hour straight every day, then that's definitely going to help you. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to improve your dance technique, probably not the good way mm-hmm. to go. Um, yeah, so I guess, like, when you set out to figure out what your dance goals are, or, you know, if you if you want to set a dance goal, it's important to think about what it is that you want to achieve, to have a pretty clear idea of, like, what it is that you want to, what specifically do you want to improve? Yeah, is it, it's got to be specific and measurable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like tackling a project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to have a finite sort of measurable ending to the project. Yeah, You exactly. know, it's not just, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the point is, like, when we were when we were baby dancers and we decided that we wanted to become good dancers, it's like we did, one, we did dance a lot. Yes, we did. Frequency is certainly important, but we also were very specific about the things that we wanted to work on. You know, like we did a private lesson with Carolina just to work on the Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that also goes into, you know, choosing people who will, like mentors and teachers, mm-hmm. who will help you help support those goals, mm-hmm. right? And help you meet those goals. Um, If you don't have a teacher around you, I mean, finding somebody online that can help you, like video review with you. One of my favorite segments in the Little Book of Talent, this is what I want to get to because it is really my favorite thing in the book, (laughs) is finding a teacher or mentor. Mm -hmm. And he gives you like four things, four or five things to look for. And the first thing he says is avoid someone who keeps you comfortable and happy. And when Sophia said we used to take private less group private lessons with Carolina to work on very specific things, um, Carolina is amazing. She's a wonderful teacher. And going on to point two, she scares me a little. 
<laughs> and especially when I didn't know her very yeah. well, she scared me a little. But she didn't definitely didn't keep us comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't just like pat us on the head and say good job, smile, smile. Or she didn't say, oh, that didn't look very well, good. Let don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. We'll work on that next time. You know, she definitely would stop us and and give us corrections and feedback in the moment make us do it again Mm -hmm. like and it wasn't a a personal slight ever it was um a tool to improve yeah you should never i mean you should be wary of someone who if you're paying the money to give you a private lesson who has like no feedback for you yeah because trust me you're not that good Right? Like, you, everyone has something to work on. No matter what level. No matter, no matter if what level. professional, if they're, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the, the second point about finding somebody who scares you a little, you shouldn't be, like, terrified of them. You should feel comfortable enough to talk to them. Yeah. But they should be somebody who isn't afraid to give you action-oriented feedback. Like, they're not going to look at you and say, you're not good enough or you're terrible. They will watch you dance and they will say, this is what I saw. Mm -hmm. This is what we can work on. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And I want to stress that, like, there is a difference between helping you overcome your weaknesses, I suppose, or, like, working on the things that you actually need to work on and just being mean. Yes. (laughs) There actually is a difference. And I think people confuse that sometimes. Yeah. I don't think any teacher should ever make you feel bad no. about your dancing. If you leave a lesson like in tears, fire that teacher. Yeah. The teacher's not right for you. Exactly. You know, like maybe that does work for some people, but I, my personal opinion on it is that like we should be in, my role as an instructor is to find a way to encourage you to be the dancer that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And... I've certainly heard stories of some teachers who are not very kind, and I I personally don't think that that's a productive way to encourage personal growth. No. Like you said, there's a way to deliver feedback that is totally, it's not a personal slight, Mm -hmm. and it's also encouraging at the same time. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, just because they're your teacher doesn't mean they get to treat you like shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just and if they you know, do, talk to them about it or to go find somebody else. Yeah, find somebody else. You should never, for whoever in the world needs to hear this, you don't have to put up with that. You really don't. They make you feel like crap. It's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, I had art teachers who made me feel like utter crap. And I've, I had to put up with them because it was college and it was, I paid to be in that class. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is outside in the world. You don't have to put up with it now. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that he said was um, gives short, clear directions. So it doesn't lecture you or, you know, drone on and on and on and on about things. Like do 50 talk seams. Or, you know, something that Ariella really wanted us to do for Deshret was um, get arm waves, and I'm still not good at them. But she would say, do 50 every day. Mm-hmm. 50 arm waves every day. And it definitely improved my technique. It's nowhere near perfect. But that short, decisive, honest, clear direction made me an incrementally better at the dance. Mm-hmm. So, but this next tip is my favorite one. Loves teaching the fundamentals. Mm. Like, they are absolutely in love with the fundamentals. And there was a quote, damn it, that I wrote down somewhere about the fundamentals. Uh, I think I know which one I'm trying. Tip number 10 is honor the hard skills. Yes. Um... The point of this tip is simple. Prioritize the hard skills because in the long run, they're more important to your talent. Yes. Practice like a beginner. Mm -hmm. That's what they they say in this book. And resist complexity complexity by honing fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And we often talk about this dance in layers, right? And and it is a layered dance form. Like, you're not going to be good at the Turkish shimmy if your shimmy isn't, Mm -hmm. isn't good. So... 
find somebody who loves teaching the fundamentals, stick to them, and who will help you hone them. Mm-hmm. So I know. I feel like we harp on that so, so much. much I'm sorry, guys. About yeah. how like important it is to go back to level one, and it's we harp on it because it's so important. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it is the thing that everything is going to be built on. Yeah, it is. Everything, if you think about it, like all the advanced level three, well, 90% of them are built on something that's smaller. Um, and my brain is moving like a million miles a second right now because breaking movements down that made me think of what he talks about when he says chunks mm-hmm. in the book. And something that Sophia's doing right now is her move of the month club. <laughs> Let me find that tip because that was that. I think this is my favorite tip in the yeah. book. It's tip number 15 break every move down into chunks. So he says, chunks are to skill what letters of the alphabet are to language. And I think that is so applicable to, to what, what we, we do, do specifically yeah. because what we do is actually a language, it's a movement language. And so you have to be able to do the component parts if you want to create a whole. Yeah. Um, so he says, alone, each is nearly useless, but when combined into bigger chunks, words, and when those chunks are combined into still bigger things, sentences and paragraphs, they can build something complex and beautiful. So, you know, people get bored with the fundamentals because they're simple yeah. or easy, right? People think that they're easy. Well, the toxeme, I think, is probably one of the, the most hardest. difficult yeah. movements actually in our entire vocabulary. So his advice is to think about breaking down a movement into its smallest element and working on that particular element until you've until you feel like you've mastered it. Yeah. And um Jesse mentioned move of the month and I just hate promoting myself. Shut up, do I it. Know. <laughs> So I'm, this is basically, you know, why I structured Move of the Month the way that I did. So it's an online event that I'm doing every single month where I pick one movement and each week has a particular focus. So the first week is drilling, the, the second week is looking just at footwork, the third week is looking at arms, and then the fourth week is sort of like beyond basics and kind of putting it all together. But, but it's so fun, you guys. She does quizzes. <laughs> So I'm fun. just like I just let my inner my inner eighteen like nerd just yeah it's nerd great. flag fly. It's um, great. But what the was, point of it is just what was that? When you did the Turkish one and you did the <laughs> hip hop Oh I was like, ah, that's so good. That's so good. Or the turkey with the cat brushing. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever match that. No, nope, I really won't. peached too too soon. But check it out. Um, the concept of chunking things down, chunk. Yeah. Um, I think about, I mean, that's how I teach. I think that's how we all teach movements. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking at the feet and then. The yeah, is really breaking it down mm-hmm, into the into the specific parts and focusing on that one thing. Because sometimes looking at the whole, especially if you're a beginner mm-hmm. and you have a lot, you're trying to integrate a lot of information and you're asking your body to do weird things that it's never done before. I think that uh, looking at the individual parts of the movement and just focusing on that is a really effective way of um, building up your skill set. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, And something I was just reading, it's the tip number eight, work like a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what Move of the Month Club does. Not only are you chunking... The movements down and I know this podcast isn't supposed to be like just promoting what we do <laughs> but I'm gonna do it for a minute um but work careful slow and attuned right so Sophia you're focusing on the fundamentals of the movement right mm-hmm. um and that you know fundamentals there's that word again and everyone says it's boring but in the book he he refers to it as the key m- moment of investment mm-hmm so we're going to harp on that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, it cannot be stressed enough, I don't think. Yeah. And he, he calls it, like, it's, you're building an, an oak, or you're growing an oak tree, right? And the base of the trunk of the oak tree are, are your fundamentals and your hard skills. 
And then once you want to improvise or add stuff to it, those are your soft skills. Mm-hmm. And those are the branches of the tree. And you can't have branches without a trunk. Yeah, or what if your truck is all, like, thin and spindly? <laughs> you knock that tree down real quick. Like, what if you're, like, Popeye? You know, it's got, like, big-ass arms and, like, a tiny body. <laughs> Isn't he also, like, super strong? Yeah. Maybe yeah. not the best visual. <laughs> so, something that gets me really intimidated when I go to, like, look at practice goals or what when I watch people... Like it gives me a lot of anxiety. Our people are just so good at it. And it seems to me that they're just naturally good at it. Mm. And, you know, social media gives us this idea that people are just naturally good at things because they only post about, you know, th- their successes. They don't post about, like, all the times that they failed to, or they struggled, or they, you know, they only post like the happy stories because we all look at social media and we all want to be happy mm-hmm. and we only want to see the good. So that goes into like, you know, you, I get anxiety because I'm like, Oh, I'm a mess. I don't want to post anything because I'm just a hot mess all the time. <laughs> but that goes into, um, what he talks about in tip number 11, which is the, the prodigy. Myth. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. People who are just naturally good at things. Let's see. Tip number 11. Don't fall for the prodigy myth. Yeah. I think this is really, really important. Yeah. People who are good at things aren't... Na- like, there, there is some a little bit of genetics to it. There sure. Is, there is some... You know, early success is a thing. But it turns out it is a, quote, weak predictor of long-term success. Mm-hmm. So just because you're seeing somebody on social media who is doing something really successful doesn't mean that they were instantaneously good at it. Yeah. You know? They have put hours and and hours and hours and hours and and just, you know, what my favorite thing was in the book, he, many top performers are overlooked early on and grow quietly into stars. This includes Michael Jordan, Charles Darwin, Walt Disney, Albert Einstein. The list goes on and on. Like, these people all worked really, really, really hard and pushed themselves to the edges of their capabilities mm-hmm. during their practice. Yeah, I think the, uh, Detoura just did a post. Oh, yeah. That was like, everything is everything is hard until it becomes easy. Y- yeah. So, just because you can't do something now doesn't mean that you won't be able to do it if you put your mind to yeah to actually learning how to do that thing i mean it took me six years probably six solid years before i could shimmy Hmm. you know and like still the shimmy is not a consistent no thing for me you know like some days it's there some days it's not but it took me six years of dancing to be able to 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 actually feel like i could shimmy consistent practice mm-hmm. too you know so there's like the the whole the whole prodigy myth like people who you are watching that are very successful dancers have a whole history of um just like yours yeah like reaching and reaching a point where they're frustrated mm-hmm. but they worked through it they made goals and they worked their asses mm-hmm. off and not saying you're not but yeah they weren't you know, born fully formed. Exactly. <laughs> Rome was not built in a day. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, that ties into like the growth mindset. Mm, yeah. And there's a really great article or video, I guess, that we can share that you had that you had sent to me about this idea of the growth mindset, where it's like you look at something that you're not able to do, and it shouldn't be. A discouragement to you because it's not it's just something that you can't do now right exactly it's not failure right it's it's a marathon not a sprint that's what i say about drinking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i'm like if i'm drinking all day it's a marathon not a sprint um what is this woman's name she she's actually mentioned in in the little book of talent, but we'll we'll post the um, 
it's an article and it's a TED talk where she talks about um, the growth, a fixed versus growth mindset. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they talk about it in the, the uh, product, the don't fall the, for the prodigy myth, right? Because what they, what they found in studies is, is um, children who were naturally good at things and were praised for being good at those things stopped trying mm. and they put all of their effort into not looking stupid or not looking unsuccessful you know they they gave up really easily but children who were um, encouraged for even trying in the first place swapped over to this like growth mindset and so failing wasn't as big a deal to them in fact it made them try even harder the yeah. next time it's like when I play video games. <laughs> Is this a bad example? Like, if I get into a boss fight and I lose, I'm like, well, God damn it. I'm going to do it again and again and again. And what I'm realizing now is that is a growth mindset because what I'm doing is going into this mini boss fight or whatever, identifying patterns, identifying where I'm weak, going back, strengthening those areas up, and then going back and succeeding. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Video games. Yeah. Teaching us things every day. <laughs> you know, I have... This is another tangent. I was asking Steven if... I was like, someone should do... Carol s- Dweck. Carol... Sorry. There. You got it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Carol Dweck. <laughs> Failed it. Anyway, go on. Steven um, I was like, someone should do a study on Super Mario logic. Because you know how, like... I'm like, I wonder if people who grew up with Super Mario have a specific like brain path like neural path where hmm. like because when you play a super mario game you're just like look you're like i don't know this is like there's nothing here there must be some secret block yeah. but like you know the game must have encouraged a certain like level of curiosity of like there must be some hidden surprise here <laughs> or like if you grew up playing video games in general just looking for like they say that it does help kids um solve puzzles Mm. and not give up as easy yeah um so when i was a kid i grew up playing mario and the legend of zelda and what the legend of zelda taught me it was to look smash every pot (laughs) slash every bush uncover every little nook and cranny and you know um what were we talking about uh uh the prodigy myth and heart um, um, growth versus fixed fix mindset. mindset. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was I was thinking of something. You were talking about the mini boss fights and how when you lose, you go back. And you're like looking for patterns and trying to find a way to like do something faster figure, or do something or like, better. Yeah. If I'm my stats are weak in this area, but the boss requires them to be higher. You're, talk, you're talking about Pokemon, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I go into a boss fight and I'm just like, damn, you know, I was playing it today and I got to like a dragon type guy and I was See? like, I'm really glad I have my ice types up, but I really needed to have a, dra- a dragon type myself to go in. See, this is, I, <laughs> I am at the same point in, in Sword and Shield. I was, I was, I'm at the final four. Okay. See, I haven't gotten to Rehan yet because okay. I know I'm going to lose because my team is very weak against dragon type. So I'm going to have to like fucking grind in the field. Yeah. That's what I just did. I just, I hate it. I hate it. But this is such a good example. I'm sorry. I'm getting really excited about this because you're like, I have to go grind in the field. That's us going to practice our fundamentals. Like, yeah, just like, Oh, I got to go do this. Like, but that performance wasn't great. You know, what do I need to do to improve my team mm-hmm. or, or myself, mm-hmm. you know? And then you got to go back and evaluate that. And it's just like Pokemon. It's just, <laughs> just dancing like, is just like Pokemon. <laughs> 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 gotta catch them all. <laughs> but I think yeah. the key, the, but the key point in that is the evaluation, yeah. right? It's like, you're not just blindly going and like getting whatever Pokemon and like I mean there are Pokemon that I Pokemon. just want because well, they're yes, cute. Yeah, but like you're not you can over level them, but yeah. it might not help you. The Corgi the- Pokemon? <laughs> Come on. It's pretty cute. 
Yeah, but he's also a really good electric type. So. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. I know where you're going with this, and it's a really good point. So right? It's about go. identifying the things that you need to work on. And I feel like that is sort of a recurring theme in Little Book of Talent. Is like the people who excel at whatever it is that they're doing look at where they're making their mistakes and the mistake isn't seen as a failure, right? This is no. kind of the growth mindset. The fail the mistake is seen as an opportunity for improvement. Right. So it's a couple of different things, right? It's like one being able to uh, honestly and accurately assess your performance. Either yourself or finding somebody you trust. Right. To tell, give you the, mm-hmm. that feedback. Which I think is a hard... It's a skill that you have to learn. Yeah, it right? is. It's hard. I think people sometimes shy... We've, we've talked about critique in the past, but I think people tend to shy away sometimes from looking at, at what they're not doing. Mm-hmm. I think there's two, there's two paths that you can take, right? It's like putting your head in the sand and not really looking honestly at your skill level or the things that you need to work on or being like overly hard on yourself and just beating yourself up about every little thing that you're doing wrong. Neither of those things is going to be productive. Right. So it's about being able to go back and assess what it is that you need to work on to get to where you want to be. What Pokemon do I need on my team so that I can beat Right home. The next level. Exactly. <laughs> right oh my god, we're such nerds. The dragon type. I used vanillips. I have no dragon types. I have not I used a ice. single dragon one. I don't have any ice ones either. In the wilds, you can buy, you can, you can not buy one. You can catch some ice types. I know. Well, this is why I'm going to have to grind. I'm going to have to grind. Yeah. Okay. I have a vanillux. It's great. It's the two scoops of ice cream next to each other. It's so weird. Oh, it's I tried so to weird. catch that one and I killed it. <laughs> and I was just going to trade it to that guy. Oh, yeah. I got two. and But I used one on my team. I got, okay. I'll have to go back there. And it's such a weird Pokemon. It's weird. There are some really fucking weird ones. It's like they threw like types into a blender and yeah. was like, we need a ghost ice type. Ice cream, obviously. It's like... When I'm playing the new Pokemon games, I'm like, you kids don't know what it was like back when there were only 150. 151. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Pokemon. But yeah, so it's about going back and evaluating your performance, figuring out what it is that you need to work on, and then actually working on that thing yeah, in your practice. By like, breaking it down into smaller achievable chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like since we're on this game topic, we should go to that that other tip that's about, what is it, like turning practice into games? Yeah, he says something about um, avoiding the word drill. And drilling because that puts a really bad connotation around it. It makes it seem monotonous and like work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it is work. <laughs> but who doesn't love gamification? Yeah. Am I right? Right. Right. Something that I like that I really want. I really want to put together. He says the term practice snacks. <laughs> I'm like, I love that. I'm going to do an online series of practice snacks. <laughs> you should do it. Snacks. <laughs> um, but yeah, he said gamify your practice. You know, like if it's something that you can count, like when I said Ariella told me to do 50 arm waves in a row every day, mm-hmm. like I would do one and then just keep going and going and going and one wouldn't be if if one wouldn't wasn't as good as any previous ones i would only count give myself a point Mm -hmm. for ones that are really good and the other ones that were not good i didn't give me your you know don't give yourself a point for (laughs) so try to beat your score yeah yeah and i think like also part of that is that you should still have fun when you're practicing oh yeah right like you know if you're not having fun then what is the fucking point of any of this Maybe put on music that you wouldn't necessarily drill to or uh, perform to. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what was that song that <laughs> Groove is in the Heart? Yeah! <laughs> By D-Light. <laughs> it's a fun one to, to drill to or dance to. I'm trying to get away from the word drill, I yeah. think. 
Um, but it's like, it's about um, finding things that motivate you, right? Yeah. Like, if you can turn it into a game, if you can think about it as a game instead of a drill, um, I don't know, that might help. It does, it does <laughs> help. There's studies that say it it's motivates people. Yeah. I, if you want to see this in practice, you should definitely check out Joanna. Oh, yeah. Joanna S. The ATS Geekazoid. We'll link to her Instagram. She did a whole series, actually, on Daniel Coyle's tips. Um, and she turned them into little Instagram videos. videos. And and yeah, they were really cool. Like, she did the one that was, like, super... The, I remember the super slow one. That was one mm-hmm. of the tips, is, like, take something and, and make it really, really slow. She did another one that was, like, shrink, shrink your space. Yeah. And she was doing, like, Turkish in a shower. Yeah. <laughs> like a tiny European shower. Like a closet shower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to see some of this stuff, like, actually in practice, you should check it's out really her good. Instagram feed. And her stuff in general is just, like, really interesting and creative. Mm. So what are, what are the ways that you can make your practice fun? I like the dancing to unconventional music thing. That's yeah. something that I like to do, too. <laughs> oh boy. for some reason in my head I'm like when my cat does something good I give him a treat <laughs> so maybe I'll have a bowl of snacks <laughs> and whenever I do something good I have a snack yeah I feel like there is actually a tip about that Ooh, <laughs> about candy. like rewarding yourself yeah you know? treat yourself I think that is also a thing that's like a double-edged sword though right it's like yeah you want to get away from the mentality of like patting yourself on the back just because too much yeah Yeah. just because you went got in the studio you know but if the time that you put in the studio was not deep practice right if you just went in there and like danced sloppily to a song for 10 minutes like that's not really doing yourself any favors um and it kind of gets back to what you're saying about how the kids who are natural talents didn't feel as motivated to actually Mm. improve because they were just being given positive reinforcement for the fact that they had that natural talent. So, so it was, um, tip number 41 and on a positive note, a practice session should end like a good meal with a sweet, small reward. (laughs) (laughs) And that might, the example he uses is so cute. Oh my gosh. He goes, my do- my 10-year-old daughter ends her violin practices with a foot-stopping rendition of an bl- old bluegrass tune, Old Joe Clark. But my brain didn't read Old Joe Clark. It read Cotton-Eyed Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I fucking hate that song. I know. I'm thinking of this 10-year-old girl ripping out Cotton Eye Joe. Joe. Oh, my God. Do you remember that horrible techno version that was, like, oh, a yeah. radio hit in the, like, mid-90s? Yeah. Oh, that show is terrible. It's the best. You know why? It's because whenever I go visit my parents and they're at the American Legion and they have a dance party, it always comes on. <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Joe, the Macarena, the Electric Slide. Hell yeah. And the Cuban Shuffle, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no. Love it. Oh my God. But yeah, that's like, you treat should, yourself. if you worked hard, you should treat yourself. Treat yourself by dancing to Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> that would be a punishment for me. That would be a punishment. Noted. Cotton Eye Joe. I'm, at reunion, I'm going to set your alarm to wake you up with Cotton I will, Eye Joe. I will kill you. I'm going to set it to record with my phone when you wake up. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. I hate you. Yeah, I know. But you love me. So I suppose if you were going to like distill this conversation down to like a couple key points, Mm -hmm. um, what would they be? It would be, it's not just about quantity. It's about quality. quality. Um, Either be able to look at yourself objectively or find somebody you trust who um, will 
give you tips. Mm -hmm. There's so many resources now. Oh, yeah. You know, like, Jesse mentioned that I do video reviews, but you could also do private lessons with, like, Anybody. any number yeah. of instructors. Like, And find the right instructor for you, mm -hmm. um, if that's the path that you choose. Um, yeah, you know, like, if there's... Ooh, there's one of, one of the tips is, like... Um, Engrave, what is it? Oh, yeah, it's like one of the early ones. Yeah, spend 15 minutes a day engraving the skill on your brain. And I remember you saying this in a workshop once about, I don't remember which workshop it was, but um, you were talking about how you would like watch performance videos mm -hmm. over and over again. Oh, yeah. Or you would like watch a lot of practice video or performance videos when you were um, like a baby dancer. And I think. All of us did this. Like, oh, yeah. That's a definitely a legit form of practice. And yeah. something that Angie never says, right. too. Yes. Um, you know, when she did a workshop at Homecoming in Kansas City about practice, and that was the one thing I took away was watching videos is a legit form of practice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, because I do that all the time, and I always feel really bad about it because I'm usually eating chips while I do it. <laughs> But it is, it's a legit, it's called engraving. And, you know, especially when you project yourself into the performer. Yeah, line. I feel like it's that visualization thing. Um, we were talking earlier about, uh, were we recording already when we talked about, you were talking about choreography? Oh, no, we weren't recording yet. So when you, well, you can, I'll let you. Oh, when, um, when I first joined Deshret, um, it was my first time with a long choreography and when I was, um, you know, Ariella would tell us to visualize a choreography every day. If you couldn't run it physically at home, do it in your head every day. Put your headphones on. And, you know, this is when I had first started my new job where I'm on a bus, you know, for an hour to get there. And so I would sit on the bus with the headphones on, my eyes closed, and just doing the choreography over and over and over and over in my head. Um, so that is definitely a form of practice. Yeah. And, um, or just like any movement like Tuxim or, um, if you're in a public place, just, you know, feel, feel free to do it, but <laughs> know that you'll get stared at. Um, right. So visualizing, visualizing it yourself or watching other people yes. do it. Um, Daniel Coyle says... Uh, basically, so the people who are doing this engraving, they're wa they watch the skill being performed closely within and with great intensity over and over until they build a high-definition mental blueprint, mm -hmm. which is basically what you were doing as yeah. you were learning those choreographies. And I didn't realize that that was actually a thing. Right. He says, <laughs> he says the key to effective engraving is to create an intense connection to watch and listen so closely that you can imagine the feeling of performing the skill. Yeah. And for physical skills, project yourself inside the performer's body. So. Don't watch me that closely, though. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> but, like, when, you're, when you are watching performances that you enjoy, uh, that is a form of, of visualization and practice. Um, I do the same thing when I'm like preparing for a performance. I'll like listen to the music over mm -hmm. and over and over and over again, and visualize you and visualize mm -hmm. dancing to it. Yeah, yeah, I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the one thing that I also would distill this conversation down to is don't be afraid of making mistakes. Um, yeah, isn't that one of those like don't be afraid to look stupid? Don't be afraid to look stupid. Uh, take mistakes seriously, but not personally. Yes. That was a quote that I wrote down. I really like that. That I just is good for life in general, <laughs> not just dance. Like you make mistakes at work, you make mistakes at home. Like they're all learning opportunities. That goes back to our fixed versus growth mindset. Don't don't take mistakes as a failure. Take them as a a way that you can you know improve upon. And then, I guess lastly for me is to find the sweet spot in your practice where you are struggling and you can, you can continue to reach. Mm -hmm. And that goes to what we were saying earlier, if all you're doing is going into the studio and dancing to a song that might not be, you know, the best way to improve your technique, 
maybe what that is is you know if you're practicing choreography practice the part where you make a mistake or you're having trouble and then just work that part over and over again if you're an ATS dancer and you are working on calibrated spins but you can you can do one spin before the other three go off Mm -hmm. continue that work find that's your sweet spot that's where you're a little bit uncomfortable yeah because that's where you're going to find the most growth Mm -hmm. but don't do it for like an hour a day (laughs) um right you were saying i don't think you mentioned this when you were talking about choreographies how you would do the choreography until you messed up. Oh, yeah. And then you would go back to the beginning. Yeah. And, and start from there. Yes. Because I had to make sure that... In my head, I was like, I have to make sure that the pathway right. to get to the part is fixed as well as that part is fixed. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Daniel Coyle, Coyle really stresses is that you have to be able to identify the mistake in the moment is mm-hmm. going to be the most effective way to correct it. Yeah, and in and in a choreography, it's it's much easier than, say, a, an improv. Mm-hmm. I I would say that the biggest thing for me while doing improv is maybe a sloppy transition. Like maybe if you fall into a movement and it doesn't feel so good, going back to like where did that last step end and this next step start, and how to connect those two. Like, I think that's a really fun challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you should definitely pick up this book. Yeah, we love it. We're huge fans. It's a super fast read. It's yeah, a very it's short book. Um, it's like 160 some odd pages. Yeah, and it's like, some of the tips are really short. Some of them are like a paragraph. You could definitely get through it in like a, a couple day. hours. Yeah. Um, it's 124 pages, including the little acknowledgement section in the back. Yeah. It's um, just a really good... You know, I've revisited it multiple times since I got this book a couple months yeah. ago. And it's just a good... It's just a good way to, like, remind yourself of how you can get the most out of your personal practice. It's broken down into three sections. So, like, the first one is getting started... Part two is improving skills, and part three is sustaining progress. So it also it helps you get set up and helps you develop ways to think critically and reaching, and then how to sustain that sort of creative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it also is on Audible for those people who prefer audiobooks. Um, sometimes when I'm driving long distances, I prefer that, or I'm cleaning. I don't necessarily have time to yeah sit down with a book. It's on Audible, and I'm sure. You, what's the um the library app that they get? If you're a member of a library, you can have access to um audiobooks. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but I'm sure we could find that out. Yeah. Anyway, that was our. That was our little overdrive. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> this is the second yeah, time. Yeah, nailing it. <laughs> overdrive. Carol Dweck. <laughs> I'm going to wake up at one o'clock in the morning shouting something. <laughs> Carol Dweck. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Anyway. Are you going to was... practice? Probably not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I just I'll admit, my I'll admit that like I don't practice as much as I as I should. Certainly not as much as I did when I was like a, a newer dancer. Yeah. Um. But I do like I do still. I still do a lot of analysis of my performance. Videos. Oh, so do I. Um. While eating chips. Yeah, while eating chips. <laughs> and I do a lot. And since I've been doing Move of the Month, I know I've been I've been taking like more videos of myself yeah. and really like analyzing those. So those are again, we've said it before, but video is a really useful tool for identifying stuff that you can work on. Definitely. So yeah, let us know if you um, have read the little book of talent. Any additional thoughts? Any additional thoughts? Tell us what your favorite Tip. Tip is. Just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. Hashtag just the tip. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <We're> disgusting. <laughs> Let's all do a little Instagram video just and just tip. hashtag it just the tip based on one of Danny's 
Daniel Coyles. Danny. That's what I call him, Danny. You're my, a first name bud, basis with my with buddy Mr. Danny Coyle. Coyle. <laughs> cool. Coming up next, we have reunion in a couple weeks. Oh my goodness. Oh boy, that really snuck up on me. It always does. Yeah. Before Christmas, I'm just like, oh, we have plenty of time. It's ages away. And then you get caught in a haze of of eating so much cheese, (laughs) cheese and alcohol, (laughs) and and family obligations. And I didn't work for nine days. I think I was just in bed for nine days. Oh my god, (laughs) it's the best. I found out that my calling is staying at home and getting paid for it. That's my true calling. In life. Too bad that I'll never shake out. <laughs> um, but ATS Reunion is nigh. We did a prep podcast last year. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what episode it was. Neither do I. I think it's probably called something like Reunion something. I think it's like maybe number five is my guess. I guess I could look it up. I don't know where it's what? We are so prepared. So prepared. I have it on on Spotify. What does Spotify say? Oh, you know what? That was before we switched over to Spotify. Yeah. I don't know if it's on there. Episode 6. Is oh, a, I was so close. A survival guide to ATS reunion. Yeah, we'll, we'll include that in the show notes too, but that's definitely a good one to check out if you've never been to reunion before. Um, or if you just want to be reminded of how to survive a weekend festival. <laughs> I like it how on Spotify it marks our episodes as E for explicit. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cursing, so. Cuss. Cuss was. Um, but yeah, reunion's coming up. We will be doing a live recording of the queue. Yes. Saturday during lunch. Grab so your snacks. Grab a snack. Practice snack. Yes, practice. <laughs> Um, so come and, you know, can laugh at us or with us. At, Probably both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have audience participation. You know, we'll have, hopefully the wild card gals will join us. <laughs> Christmas can talk the entire time. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yes. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. You'll get to experience the wondrous <laughs> isn't it wondrous <laughs> you'll get to experience us the majesty in all of our glory and <laughs> all of our awkward glory um and then yeah we'll just be around yeah come say hi to us yeah um, because as we mentioned before we're hella awkward and shy yeah so come say hi to us we love when people tell us that they listen to the podcast <laughs> Yay. And um, hopefully we'll see you in workshops. Mm-hmm. The Tessera Movement Dialect one is uh, sold out. As is the Fat Trans Workshop. Yeah, sold out. But you never know. On the day, if you're there, you might be able to sneak in. Because I think they shift. people shift around a lot depending on their energy levels. And Yeah, which is was one of our suggestions. Exactly. <laughs> so. Last year was the it's okay if you need to sit in your room. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, anything else? What's after reunion? After the last episode, it was announced that we are going to be at Roma Tribal Meeting. So me and Sophia and Michio will be doing a ATS um, Basics for Advanced Dancers and a Tessera Movement Dialect Workshop. So if you're in Europe and you want to come see us, we will be at Rome in the end of May, and it's also my birthday weekend. That's right. So I want to have some pizza and some, <laughs> some gelato. Fuck yeah, gelato. <laughs> oh my god, gelato. I love gelato so much. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you're around, come say hi. Um, and then after that, I think we already announced that we are doing a... BDC, Austin Belly Dance Convention in June. Yep. Sophia will be teaching. I will be her lovely assistant. <laughs> and we'll be performing. And we're doing a Tessera workshop. Oh, yes. And we are doing a Tessera <laughs> workshop. Hooray. So, Shut up, oh, Rosie. Rosie is asking for food. What? In what world have you ever gotten fed right now? Literally never. <laughs> yeah. Nine o'clock comes around and Ziggy's like, ah! 
And I'm like, you don't get fed till 9.30. Sorry. <laughs> you know, just hope springs eternal with Rosie. <laughs> There's always the possibility of food. Okay, well, we'll see you at reunion. Come say hi. Come say hi. Tell us how your resolutions are going, because yeah. we don't have any. <laughs> We don't have any, and it's because I know why I don't have any. It's because I'm super anxious about having any sort of like unmeasurable goal. And right now, dance goals are so like ah to me right now. Yeah. So, but we want to hear about your resolutions. I like seeing what other people are doing. Oh yeah, me too. Because I get inspired. Yeah. Like steal like an artist. Yeah. Tip number Tell us three. what you're doing so we can steal it. Because no. <laughs> Daniel Coyle told us to. Daniel Coyle told us it's okay to steal your shit. <laughs> no, he said steal like an artist, so be inspired. And we like to be inspired by people. Yes. Okay. Have, have fun. See you then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to The Q, an ETS podcast with Sophia Salazar-Rubio and Jesse Stanbridge. The music in this episode is Long Live Game Boy Kraut Rock by Corn Beast, available from the Free Music Archive. Have a question for us? Send us an email at whatsthecue at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Like, for real, like, in love. Like, I, like, love him. Like, really. (laughs) Chicken nuggies. (laughs) I like it that he's an actual baby, and he makes actual baby noises. Mm -hmm. He's a 50-year-old baby. I know. (laughs) So's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) He's not quite 50. (laughs) But he's in his 40s. I told Steven... After my prolonged, so the first time I saw Baby Yoda, I literally screamed. And Steven paused it, so I was just sitting there like squealing for five minutes. And I looked at Steven and I go, I didn't believe in love at first sight until I saw Baby Yoda. (laughs) And now you're like, I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. Like, no one understands how much I love Baby Yoda. Like, it's not just like, I don't just say that. Like, I actually love Baby. Like, I really love Are you tearing up a little bit? A little bit. to see the baby. <laughs> I do that to the cats now. I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. I wish I could do a Werner Herzog accent. Yeah, I can't either. You know, there is apparently a sh- like a short documentary that some other filmmaker made about him where he had to eat his own shoe. I think it's literally called Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe. He eats a shoe? He eats his own shoe. These are things that I've learned on the internet because of my Mandalorian obsession. So math has completely gone out of your brain. Yeah. Science, what's no, that? Fuck that. But Werner Herzog is so shit. Yeah, random Werner Herzog shit. Stuff about Star Wars that I never knew before. <laughs> I had no attachment to the Star Wars Until franchise. Baby Yoda. Yeah. And now I'm like, fucking Jawas, fuck those little guys.
Anyway, <laughs> this is a dance podcast. It's <laughs> a Baby Yoda podcast now. No, there is no dance. There is only Baby Yoda. <laughs> and what is Baby Yoda doing? Oh my God. How am I going to live in that the next hot year? Bone broth. I know. I was like, this is, oh, that is my favorite part. Where they're fighting, he's just like, oh my god! Continue. So, <laughs> so um, watch the Mandalorian. Yes. Or come talk to us. Come talk to us at reunion about, about Baby, Baby Yoda, Yoda and the Mandalorian. Oh my god! Hillary and I have like random conversations about <laughs> Baby, Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I could, if I could squeeze one out of my womb right now, I would. I would have a baby Yoda. <laughs> I don't fucking like kids, and I don't want to have any, but I would have a baby Yoda. You hear that, Rosie? You're out. Baby Yoda is in. <laughs> Fuck you, Rosie. <laughs> Rosie is not a child. Rosie is my cat. <laughs> You're out. 